everybody, welcome to Exo Squad Goals, the Exo Squadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Farentino. And on this episode, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 37, The Night Before Doomsday. It was written by Mark Edens and Nick Sagan. Now, Sagan's a first-timer on the series. If I do my math right, he was actually a youngster when he worked on this, but he went on to be a novelist and wrote a couple of episodes of Star Trek TNG and Voyager. Most notably on TNG, he wrote Bloodlines, which is the one where a dude swears revenge on Picard because he killed his son. So he's going to go after like Picard's like family or some shit. So, yeah, we got some... Uh, some uh, rookie talent on this one but up front what do you guys think of this one uh it's pretty sweet has some great eye targeting stuff going on pretty pretty frequently some good some good madness of phaeton and uh thrax really shows up which is pretty great thrax lays it down for sure man yeah it's a it's a pretty mature uh it's a pretty mature episode a lot of darkness in it a lot of different places we get to visit i liked a lot i'm kind of late in the game to bring in a new writer don't you think (laughs) yeah right part of me like because the guy was born in like 1970 and the show was 1994. So the dude was like 24. So I wonder if he kind of like, you know, got in on spec or was an assistant or something like that. But he's got chops for sure because uh, it's a good episode. But I'd be curious to see like what the process was for this one. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely a like span the globe. We're checking in on like 30 storylines for five minutes each kind of episode. Picking up right from the last episode, which, uh, you know, we are all super familiar with. Bronski's in the shuttle with the jump troops and they just get shot down. And that's all we see of that storyline, which yeah, we don't uh, go back to that, do we? Just <laughs> yeah. Incoming! all those questions of like, is Avery Butler OK? Is he alive? And he has the classic cartoon arm in a sling or arm in a white uh, handkerchief. Yeah, he's he's just relaxing. Got a nice handkerchief just in case it gets too sweaty down in DC. Well, they're over uh, like Pennsylvania when they get shot down. So they're by, they're at the uh, Mason Dixon line. I didn't make that connection, but you're totally right. Oh, I totally did. And then and then we go to the Great Slave Lake. Yeah, yeah, is, that yeah. a real, is that a real place? Like, yeah, yeah, it totally is. They should really name that. Like, I don't know why it's named that, but like I randomly had an acquaintance that was like uh, from up there. Uh, I think it's by like Edmonton or something like that. I had to Google it. So it's definitely an awkward thing to be like, oh, yeah, up in Great Slave Lake. Ugh. But yeah, up in Greater Slave Lake or Great or Greater. Anyway, Able Squad is hanging out with Algernon talking about sunsets and how awesome they are. If we're wrong, the sun may never rise on the earth again. The sun is always rising somewhere. After all, our darkness means light to the other side of the world. They get quite poetic about it. <laughs> I wish he was talking to Nara Burns because he's like, you know, the sun sets a lot of places, kid. <laughs> yeah, she's like, let me tell you about Venus. But uh, yeah, they're looking for that doomsday device in that like secret factory. And it takes them like 30 seconds to actually find it. I don't see it. It has to be here. Got it. Now let's punch out of here. Not a letdown, but you know, it, you're like, oh, I thought there's going to be more subterfuge here. And then we check in on the Battle of Battle Creek, which apparently has been still going on for the past like 8,000 episodes. And now they're deploying like orbital bombardment, which is fucking intense. Lo-fi. What do you guys think about that? Did this escalate a little quickly here or not quickly enough? Uh, I, I mean, we're... We're like wrapping <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, I like that it's full so on. So like, they're in the full on war gotta mode. Kind of got to step on the gas a little bit. A war but, uh, for billions of people being fought by six. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I liked it. I mean, give me, let's go full full tilt here. My favorite part about the sequence is, uh, you know, while Napier's calling in all the fire support, a single like Phaeton E frame 
basically tries to attack the resolute and just gets blown up, which is kind of indicative, I guess, of like the troop strength. So now we get to like the meat of this episode and it's Livia and Phaeton and Phaeton's doing his crazy villain thing being like, I will destroy them all. How? And Livia's like, hey, let's call everyone to Phaeton City and have like a big last stand like Berlin and it'll be a great party. You know, everyone will be there. Phaeton kind of doesn't seem to give a shit about this plan. He's really sad. Yeah, he's he's kind of just like, you know, he's like a mopey teenager about the whole thing, right? He's very fatalistic. I wrote, Phaeton is sad. Sad Phaeton is sad. I See, I really, I really, really like that moment because like this whole arc is like stripping away the idea that there's some nobility behind Phaeton. And at the end of the day, it really is all about him. And this is where he finally kind of reveals it, right? He's like, listen. I don't really care about other... I just wanted to run the Neo-Sabian Empire. And since I'm dying, I don't give a fuck. So I'm going to blow up the planet with antimatter. <laughs> uh, but but first, one more, like, clone decanting. <laughs> like, Yeah, he uh, he definitely takes Livia down to his, like, clone wine cellar. And it's like, I have a fine vintage of Shiva, Draconis, and Typhonis all ready to go. He has him lined up as, like, a, great, as, like, a clone greatest hits, too. Like... <laughs> It's like the emergency clones. Like, how many chances do those guys get? I'm pretty sure he's also he is, at some point in the series has cloned himself just to make a bunch of yourself. He also describes them as his greatest generals. So, like, how bad were the other dudes? <laughs> like, yeah, right. Like, how are you worse than Typhonus? It's actually the lowest Neo Sapien rank. His general. It turns out Private's the highest. Who knew? Yeah, because like he definitely like guilts them into getting hunting down JT Marsh. He's like, you were my greatest generals, but each of you failed me. I have decided to give you another chance. I will make you my generals again, but first you must prove yourselves worthy. Go and bring me JT Marsh. They all just do it and like do it weirdly well. But they are running a team of the best Neo Sapiens in Eve. They also like the Neo Lords can fly E frames. Apparently, like <laughs> why weren't they? Why weren't they in E frames the but entire they're time? They're effective in E frames. Like, they're yeah. They're like yeah. You can tell kind of. There's this part two where uh, Torres and is it Torres and Weston are in like the tunnels and they're fighting and they're fighting like the old Neo animals. And they just like shoot him in one one laser blast, just kills him and knocks him off. I'm like, the show is so over these characters at this point. When they fly into that base, there's like a crab dude who's like, Rah! and they just like you said, one shot, he's down like right in the shell. And you're like, I remember when you were like the baddest dude on the block. And now you're like just a chump. It's a lot of lasers. Yeah. Oh, Ryan. So, yeah, we got like the, you know, the Monstar is going after uh, JT Marsh. We got this great exchange with between Livia and Thrax, who... They miss uh, the Chiron or whatever is like off. It says Phaeton City, but it's actually the Amazon. She's like, you are to abandon the Amazon and bring all troops under your command to Phaeton City. I can no longer obey Phaeton's orders. When the Terrans reach this place, I will surrender myself and the troops under my command. He sends Telemachus to take his men into the jungle and survive. And Telemachus awkwardly gives him like a Nazi salute on the way out. So a little weird on that moment. Oh, uh, their base is uh is a crack is a uh a, a, a freighter run aground, which is really dope. yeah. That's great. That's like, a great like freaking uh, image. And like, but there's this great exchange from Livia, who's like pissed off at this, and she goes to Phaeton and's like, Thrax is a traitor. Who? 
I got such a kick out and of then that. Like, wanders away. But that is a cool uh, set. That's a cool location. That Amazon. It's like dark and rainy. Yeah, and it's like overgrown with like vegetation, which is pretty sick. Um, it uh, it looks like the place they kidnapped the girl in the rescuers. That was all I could think of. <laughs> Like the, the ship and the rescuers. It's basically every like dock level from like an eight bit side scroller game, right? <laughs> Where it's like all rusted out ships, so you can like jump on different levels and boxes to push over. Yeah, so they have this exchange. They send some like neo lords down there, and again, they're in e frames to get there. Then they're like, ah, fuck this noise, and you know, Thrax basically is like sacrificing himself to uh, let his guys escape. Then Medusa takes over back over after Thrax had like stunned her. But she gets attacked and injected by Ketzer, the mad biologist who, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's just have him show back up. And again, this is like a season three thing, probably that he was going to be like a big deal, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's kind of they're kind of setting him up as like the next. uh, Yeah, as part of like the like the new Algernon. Yeah. And like, you know, it's like, oh, what's Livia going to or Medusa going to turn into a tree? And, you know, it's like. We never get to see that. That, uh, that seemed really disturbing. It's like very old school, like Frankenstein-y. Like, oh yeah, no, it's like when you know when like the thunder hits and she's like, <gasps> and then you know she sees like the you know I guess the plant boys if we have the Beastie Boys crawling up the side of the ship and oh, the door opens and it's a weird you know weirdly animated Ketzer and he has his like needle gun like that's freaky man. But yeah, it's really it's oddly the Ketzer stuff is really dark and weird. Yeah, which kind of, again, makes me miss that season we didn't get. I think they take Thrax back to Phaeton City for execution number seven. And then we get an extended running battle with, you know, the Monstars and fucking (laughs) Table Squad after they find out that the uh, antimatter bomb, the Doomsday device, isn't in Greater Slave Lake. It's right in Phaeton City because Chicago is where Phaeton likes to keep his personal affects, I guess. Can I in- interject uh, an update? Yeah. Great Slave Lake is named for the Slavey Indians. It has nothing to do with slavery, according to Quora. Oh, wow. So there you go. <laughs> that, that sounds like a lie. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, nice save, Canada. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I've put some stuff on core that's straight up not true, so I'm going to wait on that. <laughs> I like that you're going to the, the length to put things on Quora and then also having it not be true. Yeah. Years from now, we're going to realize Ryan's going to wake up in a, like a sweat and be like, my God, I had answered that question. I yeah. made up that Indian tribe. Yeah, I made that up. <laughs> no, but that, that's interesting, though, you know, so I guess we're just saying it wrong the whole time. Um, but yeah, so um Although so, Phaeton definitely got slaves at Great Slave Lake though, so he probably renamed it. It was Yeah, like, that's true. You know, if we just say this different, it's me exactly what I'm doing to these people. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I, I built a base there for the convenience. <laughs> but the naming rights were easy. Doritos presents the Greater Slave Lake, brought to you by Phaeton. So yeah, so Able Squad's fighting the Monstars and fucking they get like fucked up pretty bad like every you know red shirt like dude gets messed up um i do like that we, that we got a Delion frame flying around with them even though he did so still dead that's a little awkward man yeah right it's been like two episodes <laughs> it's been a, it's been a, it seems like a month has passed chris yeah i know right it's like 
you know, the way this show like just makes you feel like the passage of time has occurred, like in real time is kind of amazing. Um, but yeah, so, you know, they go back and forth, bang, 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 all that flying stuff. And, you know, JT is like a lot of shooting. It, yeah, a lot of shooting. Um, my favorite moment of the episode being JT telling Marsala to get Algernon back to the fleet. And we get like an extended shot of Algernon's face just like being terrified and getting hit by G forces. Which is kind of great. Uh, Stavrogan gets shot down. And, uh, you know, of course, he would have because JT made a quip about not wanting to lose his wingman so close to the end. You know, JT and Takagi go back for him. JT gets hit and captured by the Monstars and brought to Chicago, you know, the home of Jordan, which I guess brings it all back around if you think about it. And uh, Takagi realizes that Stavrogan has died, apparently. Is Is he dead or just not there? I got that he had turned into like meat soup, but like, because I was like, know. did he get taken by the Ketzer folks or? It's weird. So, but I I took it that he had like hit his emergency beacon, but they like had shot him or he got hit by a stray bullet or something like that. But yeah, so that's the end of the episode. Well, and then the end of the episode, JT gets brought to Chicago to meet with Phaeton, who's all about gloating. So yeah, so. What do you guys think about this one? Like, what are your uh, what stood out to you? There's a lot of extended E-frame combat, and for some reason, a lot of it seems to take place with like people sighting, people like putting uh, crosshairs over their eyes and firing. Like they go to that, they go to that visual a lot, including a uh, Narrowburn's four shot that is really sweet. Yeah, it's it's like an Independence Day when they also had that shot of like the uh, missile lock, you know, being acquired. Yeah, it's like why I um like when I first saw the Wing Commander trailer, it was all like like uh like uh crosshairs going over people's eyes, and I was like, that movie's gonna be sweet, and then it wasn't as sweet. <laughs> <laughs> For a second, I was like, is he talking about the TV show or the movie? Because these are gonna be no, two dude, very different the reactions. Show, the show is dope. That's uh. That's a Michael Eden's joint too, right? Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, that show was sweet. Uh, Caligula's in that. <laughs> Wait. Oh, yeah, I, I, he is. Yeah, he is. The, uh, uh, and Tank Girl. Yeah, Tank Girl's in that. Uh, Tank Girl and uh, yeah, dude. I remember being like, being like, what's that guy from? And I looked it up. I was like, Caligula. <laughs> which <laughs> which if you were depending on your age might have been a weird reference to get but yeah i agree yeah. but uh but helen mirren's in that too right yeah. so it's like a real movie that also has fucking <laughs> well so everybody the- thanks for joining us that's <laughs> that's the end of the series that's and uh <laughs> it's like a cartoon but with fucking that's fritz the cat anyway uh Chris, what what do you think? Uh, I can't follow that. Um, I like this episode a lot. I really like the dark tone of it. I like that we got to see a lot of stuff. I like the Thrax stuff a lot. I thought that was pretty cool. That he was sort of like pretty self-confident in his betrayal or his just realizing that he didn't want to get his guys killed. And I love that scene with Telemachus where he's just like, you know, a commander wouldn't save my life. And maybe that's so I can save yours. And Telemachus gives a very sweet Hitler salute and <laughs> runs into the rainforest where he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I, I, just, I, I love that. I love the scene of like when he's making the call and all the uh, troops are coming out of like the woodwork and they kind of look like a little run down and all that. And he's like, yeah, all these like neon clad 
Neo Sapiens are going to have like a good time in the forest and they're going to be okay. Yeah. If they're they're going to like, you know. um, I like all the Phaeton stuff. I just, I love his fatalism and his sort of selfishness. I think it's, it's weird when everybody else was saying it the whole time and for Livia to finally see it, you know, that's sort of a good, good moment. Yeah. For real. Like her continued uh, devotion but sort of realizing that she's like, you know, steering the ship and the captain's like totally AWOL is kind of interesting. You know it's what like, I mean? It's like going to be the moment when like Sarah Huckabee Sanders realizes that Trump was lying the whole time. <laughs> they were all lies. What? <laughs> oh, I paid good money to see that. I can't. It was in it for himself. You see, I, I liken it to the that moment where you look up a place to eat, right? And you're all excited because it's like, oh, shit, they do like, I don't know, like deep fried mac and cheese bites. And it's like Tuesday and they're on happy hour. This is the best day ever. That's the right response. Yeah. And then you get there and not only are they not on happy hour, they're just not there. Right? Like Livia is looking for those mac and cheese bites, but man, she's not finding them. Wait, the restaurant's not there? No, no, the, just the bites. The, oh. the restaurant's there, so you, so your your expectations can get up, but there's no like, there's no there there. You know what I mean? Sure. So, and this is Exo Squad and Diners, Drivers, and Dives. So, yeah, good, it's a really good episode. It's like you. This is the episode that like, it's got a lot of. I mean, again, like we said, a lot of you know, bang bang. But like, you need this one that kind of sets that stage of Phaeton losing it and the people around him kind of dealing with it you know and the fact that like his only his most loyal monster creations and clones generals can't like are still serving him at this point really plus there's like so. a there's like a will they or won't they kind of thing with <laughs> is he gonna get together with jt at the end you know <laughs> so it's like you know it's nice to end on a wedding <laughs> yeah yeah there is also i will say just there's a moment where uh shiva like bust out JT's like fusion pack and just pops it like a zit. And like, it's pretty well established that that would like fucking be like a mini nuclear explosion, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's kind of how those work. But also they didn't bother taking him out of the, out of the frame on the trip. Yeah. That must've been a really uncomfortable ride. Yeah. Maybe a lot of pee. Anyway. Um, well on that note, who's your MVP for this episode? Uh, I'm giving it to Thrax for standing up and saving some lives, saving Telemachus. I'm sure Telemachus is going to grow into a wise old man at the end of this war. <laughs> yeah. Was he in the Aeneid? Or, uh... Uh, he's Odysseus's son. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Who kills all of them when he comes back. Yeah. <laughs> so basically he's going to go into the jungle, set up a whole bunch of like axe heads, and be like, shoot a blaster through these and you can marry my... <laughs> mother it's kind of a, it's a little, little late to establish that as a idea <laughs> but maybe you know, maybe it comes back he's like you can marry this test tube um who you got ryan uh i'm gonna give it to uh when they open up all the doors in the amazon there's that one neo sapien who has like a turban on and uh that guy just really 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 speaks to me uh so i'm giving him the mvp He's, he's kind of like the dude from Dragon Ball. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I if I could ever 
elicit that reaction from you again, Ryan. It'll totally be like that's like like my life's goal right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Done. Um, also, R.I.P. Seth Rogen. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, man. Yeah, Seth Rogen bit it. So he's smoking weed and uh, talking about masturbating up in the sky. <laughs> yeah. He's one of my favorite recurring characters who's not in the uh, main titles. Yeah, right. They, they should be like a you know special guest star, Yuri Seth Rogen. Well, that's the thing. Is like he's on the show the whole time. And he's just a guest star. Like never got to be in the main cast. <laughs> he never got that pay bump, man. That's right. Stinks. Yeah. Yeah, right. But uh, <laughs> do you think there's a an, like an Exo Squad uh, James Franco somewhere just being really sad that Steph Rogan's dead? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd say my MVP, like I mentioned before, when they're doing the orbital bombardment, is the one dude who's like flying towards the Resolute, like, and he just goes ah, and then gets blown up in like two seconds. Because um, I think that's a nod to the movie The Longest Day, where during the beach landing during the allied assault there's like one luftwaffe pilot that's like up there like strafing you know what i mean he's like the only guy in the sky so i don't know i just took that as like a filmic reference and i just dug that i'll just end on this i think it's with the sort of mason dixon line thinking the great slave lake thing which is a real lake named after the slavey indians who <laughs> just love slaveys um it sort of brought back the whole idea the not only the world war ii parallels but also the civil war um parallels and i think sort of that a little bit to me that moral complexity that we began the show talking about kind of came back a little bit i was like oh yeah they were slaves yeah Um, no there there is that like you know in if you really think about it like the oppressors winning (laughs) like i mean you know it's a little simplified but like the guys who enslaved the neo-safety created them and enslaved them are coming back to earth and being like, yeah, fuck those guys. But this episode kind of explains why it's not that though, in a nutshell, because like Phaeton is using that imagery to basically build like an empire of empire for himself. And like when it comes down to the people or Phaeton, like Phaeton doesn't really give a shit about, he doesn't really care about the Neo sapiens. He just doesn't because like Thrax, like, like Thrax makes the has that great line where he's like, "I don't know what purpose there is to our lives, but I've decided to preserve as many of them as possible." The Neo Sapien fight for freedom is about the dignity of the Neo Sapien person, and and Phaeton totally rejects that. And like in this episode and the episodes like leading up to it is shown to be like a fraud, right? It's worse that he's taking advantage of their yearning to be treated like people. And and turns them into tools. Quite literally with the uh, creation of like the Neo Lords and the freaking Beastie Boys. Yeah. Right. He purposefully makes Neo Sapiens less human so he doesn't have to acknowledge their humanity, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Which is the whole point of their struggle. Yeah. It's a bad guy. That's a fatal bad guy. I guess on that note, does anyone have anything they want to want to plug? Two plugs for you. One, go to Etsy.com, search for two loopy ladies. Get yourself something crocheted. It will be winter again very soon. Um, and those hats, scarves, wonderful, unique, one-of-a-kind items are good all year round. So do yourself a favor. And uh, if you need a wedding videographized into a film, visit 25films.com and get in touch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They put the two and the five. Um, I don't know what that means. If you like this show and these last few episodes particularly... Or maybe the back catalog. Who knows? 
You can support us by going to patreon.com slash exosquadgold and support us for as little as $2 a month. Um, yeah. So there's that. But there's also things we want to recommend. Do you guys have anything you want to recommend? Sure do, Chris. <laughs> sure do. You know, the last season of New Girl was really good. If you like New Girl, the last season they were playing without a net and uh, and whatever sport that would be. Uh, did a really good job. That's a weird tennis game. Show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this volleyball game turned into rugby once they took out the net. But I would totally yeah. watch that gymnastics event. Sure. <laughs> that circus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I you know I never got into I never got into it initially, but I heard actually I think Ryan might have been the person to tell me, but like I heard that show got really really good as it went on. It's really awesome. So yeah, it like I think it's hard with all shows you sort of got to get past that initial thing that it wants to do. Um, yeah, but I think it gets really good as it goes on, as as we've said. Word, what you got, Ryan? Hmm. I started watching Blackish, which is really funny. Uh, very excellent. And uh, I'm watching Handsmaid's Tale, which is also quite good, uh, although not as funny. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that show is definitely not a laugh. Right? Yeah, it, I would. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a, it gets a little uh, it's it's not funny at all. I want to recommend and it wasn't the best thing in the world or a good book per se. But if you watch the movie Ready Player One, which is like a fun it's a it's like it's squarely in the middle of the Spielberg canon. Like, it's not bad. It's not good. It's just a movie, you know, um, it's yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's silly. It's held back by the source material, if anything. But in the back of uh, the sidekicks like garage, there is a freaking uh, Maggie Weston E-frame that they've rendered in 3D and have like it appears in battle scenes and like shoots like chain lightning and shit. And it's like it's just totally in the background, but someone like took the time to make this and put it in there. And if you apparently they have a VR experience and if you have VR capabilities, whoever you are, uh, you can get up close and personal with this model, which is like pretty dope. So, yeah, I'm just going to give that thing a little recommendation for uh, for doing that. Oh, sorry. So like that's the form for her to shoot chain lightning, not in this show <laughs> exactly it's like the big climatic battle of another intellectual property is where she uses her special power not the actual thing she's in so wait i have, I have one more recommendation uh all of yes. the shit in ready player one that's way better than ready player one like everything <laughs> that movie references like watching that stuff is way more awesome oh yeah dude yeah it's like just just go watch like Back to the Future or fucking. It's like it's like yeah. Literally, it's like why would I watch? Why would I watch? Why would I watch Back to the Future when I could watch Teenage Back to the Future fan fiction? Like yeah, just the whole idea of it never really appealed to me. I was like, yeah, no, that's I've done that. That's my that's been my life. Yeah, it was like show me something else. You know, it's it was funny. Like the way uh, you know, my wife and I we listened to that on a uh, on a road trip. And the audiobook's read by Will Whedon. And, you know, when you hear like a professional actor who specializes in sci-fi stuff read a line of dialogue, he'll make it work. You know what I mean? Like just by inflection or something like that. But if you actually read it flat like it was written, you realize like it's not a very good book in a lot of ways. And uh, 
Mm-hmm. You know, the movie, like it kind of, like I said, the movie suffers from that. Like if you had said this, like say a Steven Spielberg or someone, you know, here's the world, like there's a virtual world that's great and everyone loves it. Someone's trying to take it over by finding this like, you know, special Easter egg thing. And then the, the real world is shit. And that was all he had to do. I feel like he'd like fucking go crazy. But by being tied with a script by Klein, who wrote the book, and the dude who wrote the original Avengers script, which they threw out and lit on fire, you know, it just <laughs> did not work. It's good popcorn, but yeah, just watch the original shit. But, sure, because it's still in theaters, Chris, because this is just a week after our last episode. I know. It just came out last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then don't, everyone knows we've recorded a whole bunch and just had them in the can the whole time. <laughs> well, on that note, I'd like to say that our intro and outro music is done by Eric Calderon. You can find the stuff on YouTube and across the Internet at 331 Rock. He does all sorts of great compilations and fun jam sessions. You can find us on Twitter at ExoSquadGoals. Email us at ExoSquadGoals at gmail.com. But if you like the podcast, you can support us on, on uh, Patreon.com. Uh, you know, help us cover website costs and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, we try to come up with a new episode every Saturday. We haven't missed a single weekend ever. So, you know, just keep telling yourselves that. And as always, for ExoSquadGoals, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Ferentino. Are there any heroes in this company? No, no sir. sir. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.